You're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Our aim is to provide listeners tools for a conversation on how religion is changing and being affected by society. I'm your co-host, Troy Shepard. I'm an app developer and a business entrepreneur and a researcher on cultural trends related to religion and community. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Heidi Campbell, a professor of communication at Texas A&M University, where I study the intersection of religion, media, and digital technology. Welcome, and let's dive into today's conversation. Hello again, everyone. I'm Troy, and you're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. This podcast is a place for innovative thinkers and a starting point for critical conversations in the church. In this episode, I had the pleasure of continuing our conversation with Chris Leota, who's a pastor of Rivergate Church in Bryan, Texas. So thank you again for being with us. So this topic that we've been exploring is a two-part topic called Live Church Outside the Box. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I would encourage you to listen to that podcast first, as it will make a little more sense as to what we're talking about in this episode. So in this episode, we'll continue to examine where Rivergate Church currently is on their journey and focus in on what their hope and vision looks like moving forward. Now, the last episode, we discussed what Rivergate Church kind of look like and also what the general church from a pre-pandemic perspective look like. And we also dove into what's already being stirred in the thoughts and the minds of how Rivergate is currently doing church. So in this episode, Chris, I want to start off kind of where we left off in the previous discussion. We left off with what your experience has been making those changes. And you mentioned they weren't easy, but they were glorious. So first question here, can you maybe describe your current model or vision for doing church that you feel called to right now? Yeah, sure. And something that you just mentioned a moment ago that I think deserves a little mention too is that we are using the pandemic as a reference point, but I also think it's important to realize that God is not trying to react to the pandemic and accommodate it with moving forward in the church even if at times our trials and tribulations can be used to shake those things that can be shaken and get us back focusing on his design and his desire moving forward. So it just kind of struck me. I thought it bared mentioning a little bit, but so um, for us, I would say Acts 2 and the book of Ephesians are like pretty much glowing for us right now uh, with regards to envisioning and doing church and to highlight with the pieces of that, like from Acts 2, if you look in that 41 to 42, it be all those, those sections in there, but it's the simple, communal, and powerful nature of the church. And I believe that that's something that we're kind of recapturing uh, and envisioning is kind of reducing, going back to a more simple, communal, and powerful expression of family life, of church family, and, uh, and the family of faith. Uh, from Ephesians, I mean, I can go through that whole book. You know, um, and you could spend obviously lots of time in there, but in, in just little blips and bullet points in chapter one, this idea of the divine childhood as God's foundational purpose. In chapter two, he starts to uh, you start to see how apostles and prophets are still needed to build on God's behalf. Uh, chapter three, his wisdom is promised to his family on how to do that and how to how to grow and expand and establish. In chapter four, you've got you know Jesus giving fivefold leadership gifts. Uh, to the church at, at his ascension. 
and for the purpose of maturing us in love, which is, by the way, the true aim of discipleship of Jesus's words in the, the chapter 17 uh, and following in, in John are to be understood that if they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, right? So being Christ-like in love. In chapter five, uh, walking in love and walking in the light, being filled with the spirit. Uh, in chapter six, keeping your relationships healthy and then living victorious over the enemy. So that's kind of those two places are what we're really seeing as uh, the envisioning and the doing of church, the simple, communal, powerful nature of church through that Ephesians lens um, of, of leadership and maturity. Um, and, and we're recapturing things like just family uh, and decompartmentalizing the generations. So much of our life and our culture in America compartmentalizes generations. And so we wonder why our kids don't want to listen to their parents, our teens. Well, we've been training them their whole lives. I drop you off at the nursery and you're with other babies. Then I bring you to preschool, you're with other little kids. Then I bring you to school and you're with your other kids. And then after school, I pick you up and take you to events and, and teams and clubs, all of which I'm telling you that the most important people in your life are your peer group. And then you hit your teens and I'm trying to speak into your life. And you're like, who are you? And why should I listen to you? I'll go ask my 15-year-old friend if what you're saying makes any sense. And uh, so uh, we believe that that compartmentalization has been hurting us uh, as a society and certainly within the church. And so decompartmentalizing the generations is something we're seeing. Also recapturing rest, dethroning the God of busyness. We talked about that in the last episode. And then peace, defeating this oppositional spirit that's at work in our nation with, you know, racial tensions and political tensions and things like that. And then, you know, as we also kind of talked about last time, but God wants the word, worship, warfare, and the work of the church back in the hands of every one of his children, not just the leaders. These elements, when they've been curated by other people, they can be very attractive because we see worship that's so excellent. We see the treatment of the word that's you know, so scholarly. We see warfare that's so passionate and, and seemingly effective. And then we see work with such great skill set, you know, being done, you know, for the kingdom. And so we want to kind of let others do that. And we vicariously uh, allow much of the church to live the advancement of the kingdom, you know, vicariously through what others do. But God is saying, you know what? Uh, I sacrifice natural excellence to see these purposes and these functions embedded in the personal experience of every one of my children. I believe that's what the Lord is saying to us. Yeah, and you alluded to this uh, a little bit there just now, um, but what are you hoping this change will bring, uh, this change in, in how you're envisioning church? All right, so everybody at Rivergate's going to chuckle a little bit when I say this, um, because we are hoping, honestly, that this will empower people to truly live like Jesus, so that every place will look like his place. And that's our purpose statement. That's our mission and vision statement put together. And it's just, it's eternal and very legit. We really want to empower people to truly live like Jesus so that every place looks like his place. That means a discipleship depth and maturity to folks, increasing their personal margin. I don't know if you're familiar with the, some of the teaching in the books on margin, but just creating that blank space around the edges of your life so that you got a place to doodle, a place to write. I don't know if you're anything like I am, but when I get a a letter in the mail or some kind of a marketing thing. And there's like, you know, quarter inch margins all the way around and everything's single spaced and size 10 font. I can't even read that. 
and we need margin in our lives. And so I'm also hoping that this change will bring a reintegration of the generations that our young people will enjoy being with our older people, our older folks uh, will enjoy being with our younger folks and that that mix and mingle will make everybody's lives more rich. We want to make room for creativity and fun. I think there's been such a sobriety and a somberness that has hit uh, many religious groups and gatherings and, and congregations and stuff that I think we just need to see some creativity and fun come back and genuinely just liberate and empower the church to liberate and empower the world. Yeah, I like what you said about the word margin and your little tagline, the, the lean, listen, and live, I think really helps bring about space for that margin. And I think that's critical. In a day and age, you know, we're just constantly being bombarded by everything you can imagine. And it is on 24-7. You know, it just never gives up. Uh, if you could identify maybe like two or even up to four characteristics of this new church outside the box vision that you have, what would some of those characteristics be? Uh, first of all, intimate. I believe the new church recaptures something that the first century church had by default, by virtue of time, space, geography, technology, uh, and even lifestyle, you know, uh, cultural lifestyle things, but, but intimate. And, and yes, I think that means smaller. I'm going to be really cautious here not to say that big church is bad or wrong, because it's not. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that there are some things that just cannot happen en masse, now, God is, is into large gatherings. Revelation tells us that there's a, a number that can't even be counted. And we all sing a song that we know the lyrics to and the, and the melody of in some miraculous and supernatural way, but intimate and yes, smaller. So I think that, that recapturing intimacy is one of the things that we're going to see that's outside the box, so to speak, of what a lot of church is experiencing now. The next one is that integrated, right? So integrity is the idea of being the same everywhere you are. For people will be the same at church as they are at home, as they are at work, or as they are at Walmart, or at the field, or wherever they may find themselves, that, that there's this sense that I am who I am everywhere I am. And, th and that kind of leads to the next one, which is invested, that in their local Jesus family, they'll be invested. So yes, at the church and, and with the community, but also the community at large, that this is going to make space for people to actually say, what has God called me to do that's going to change the world that I live in and the world around me, my neighborhood and my workplace and those kind of things. And then I, I think that's going to lead to a church uh, that's more inspiring than it's been. We'll be the ones that are leading the way to bring creative solutions to the world's problems that are the peace and the relaxation people feel, the freedom, the liberation they feel, the genuine love that they feel from us as we become uh, better at being the children of God that we are that's going to be inspiring to the world around us. And so the intimate, integrated, invested, and inspiring. Yeah, and I think that last point too, inspiring, I think that can have implications beyond even what we can understand. You never know what is helpful to somebody else until after maybe they've told you and you had no idea at the, at the time, but it's so inspiring to them, you know, whatever it was. And I think that is huge on what action items can occur by just following your guidance, following your heart, following these, these inclinations that you feel are important. Which kind of brings me to the next question. I was kind of thinking if, you know, if you had to explain this current church model uh, that you have right now to somebody who maybe wasn't super familiar with 
Christian religion or even church in general, what would be your definition of that model for them? Or how would that model look different from what maybe culture defines as church? So I have a couple of thoughts in here. Some of those would appeal to the, uh, to the academic a little more, like the idea of a kind of a modern reformational recapture where we're repossessing cultural strengths of the ancient church through a willingness to revisit every and any method that we're currently engaging and without the need to categorically abandon modern life, right? So that's kind of like the a more academic description of that. Uh, on a vernacular sense, we'd say maybe kind of a first century modern world mashup that prioritizes simplicity and depth. But if we were talking to somebody outside the church, I would probably tell them that, and they can relate to this in, in other ways, is that there are things that we feel and things that we yearn for and long for in our connections with one another and in our connections with the uh, metaphysical world, the supernatural world, right? And the, and the unseen. And there are aspects of our current culture, our empirical culture, the one that we live inside and interact with daily that are holding that back, that aren't sating that need, that hunger, and that aren't scratching that itch, aren't meeting those needs. So this church model is one that allows for us to put everything out on the table for consideration. It's a church model that prioritizes the human side of the equation of our faith and says, what do we need to do so that the human side can actually become everything God wants it to be, as opposed to the more machine side of things, the systematic side of things and the forms and the programs. Yeah, I think that's super helpful for those who maybe completely understand church and Christian religion, and especially for those who maybe coming from a perspective where you were years and years ago, where you know religion and church just wasn't a part of your life. And how can this look different? And how can this really be you know engaging? I appreciate those thoughts. Those are really good. And just to wrap up our time today, one last question. What are maybe some tangible encouragements uh, that you would give uh, either other pastors, church leaders, congregants who may feel called to a similar vision uh, of the church that you have seen and maybe that they're exploring, but maybe they just don't know exactly where to start? Could you give them any encouragement? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The first one is start with your heart, your own heart. And that sounds maybe a little... uh... A little trite, but it's very genuine. If you just want change for change's sake, if you just want to be on the cutting edge, I really appreciated the podcast that you and Heidi did on innovation versus imitation. And uh, although you didn't vilify innovation, the idea was, uh, are we trying so hard to do something new that we're becoming more sensationalist or just kind of trying to become uh, trendy in things rather than actually looking at this through the lens of the eyes of God. So, but I would say, start with your heart, make sure your heart is right and pure in it and at peace with the Lord and connected with him. The next one is a very practical and a timeless truth for children of God, believers and followers of Christ is pray like never before. Everything that we need has been given to us in Christ Jesus. That is true. You know, first Peter and second Peter tell us that, but prayer aligns our perspectives with his so that we'll know what we need what we really truly need and how he wants to, or has planned to, or has provided it to us. So prayer. The next one is trust the voice of the father. Jesus was serious when he said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Every word that comes from God's mouth 
And that doesn't just refer to the Bible, right? So he's talking to us now. And there are days when that right now word, right? I love the word, love the Bible. Uh, but there's days when that right now word may be the only thing that sustains you, keeps you encouraged. And that, you know, goes back to that lean, listen, live thing. The next one is adopt a culture of transparency, vulnerability, grace, and honor. If your church community, if your community of faith isn't built on transparency, vulnerability, grace, and honor, which I can sum up in one word, love, then it's going to be really hard to do this thing. It's going to be really hard. You're going to feel really alone and the conflicts can become overwhelming. So uh, you're going to mess up whenever you're making changes like this, you're going to mess up and and a lot. It's going to happen a lot. Uh, There's going to be times when you're irritated and you're rude because you're outside of your comfort zone. So, and there's, you're going to just miss the mark. Sometimes you're going to make a decision that leads, you know, this entire group of people in a path that's not really as fruitful or doesn't produce the fruit that you thought it was going to, you're going to need to forgive yourself. You're going to need to forgive others. Others are going to need to forgive you and each other. And you're going to have to become masterful in relationships. And again, remember, this is how the world knows that we belong to Jesus, right? So adopt that culture of love. And it shows up in transparency, vulnerability, grace, honor. The next one is be patient and create the space for change. Don't make promises you can't keep. That's, you know, be open-handed, start helping people detangle their hearts from the forms and programs that they've come to rely upon. Uh, for experiencing God's goodness. And I'll say they've experienced God's goodness often secondhand through what others did or through a program or through a certain form. And so they're in love with that. It's like people who say that the only worship songs should be hymns or somebody says the only worship song should be this one. The best worship song is this one because maybe they got saved. You know, that's why they came to Jesus or, or that's what carried them through one of the most difficult parts of their lives. So, so be patient. Create the space for change and then ask the questions that start peeling back the veil on how things could change. Don't just look for a new form to adopt. Say, ask yourself and ask, let the team do this together. Why are we doing this? Why do we do this part? What's the real value in this thing? Could that value be done in a different way? Can I get down to what the real meat of this is that makes it worth something? Uh, why do we like it? Do we like it because we just like it? Or do we like it because it actually has some spiritual value to the Lord? Uh, why should we keep this? How does it hinder or enable what God wants to do in and through and for us? And then what changes can we make that will put worship, the word, warfare, the work of the kingdom back into the hands of the people? Yeah, I think that was super helpful. You provided a lot of different column guardrails there, just ways to kind of keep us focused or keep leaders who are wanting to do some of these things that maybe haven't either been done a lot or at least been focused on heavily over the last number of years or even decades. Providing those topics there, I think, is really helpful and hopefully really encouraging. For those in church leadership and even those who may be going to church leaders and saying, hey, this is something that we're passionate about. We want to be a part of something that is really moving within these type of guardrails that, you know, we don't have to have the best musicians. We don't have to have all the lights on stage. We don't maybe don't even need a place of our own necessarily, but just, you know, what are we focusing on and what is important to us? Definitely appreciate that. Thanks again, Chris, for sharing your thoughts on this topic. Again, our topic today was live church outside the box. 
And I really hope these last two podcasts have shown what I think a curious vision can do for the mission of one local church. And I hope this topic has really encouraged our listeners and what it takes to to rethink the definition of the word church and its overall mission. And please consider joining us again on another episode. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of future podcasts. And be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platform or share it with your friends. We hope you're leaving today with a better understanding about religion and conversational tools to talk about it. We look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. So until then, take Take care. care.